Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Are you a fan of making lemonade? I assume so if you're listening to this. Are you a fan of Qui-Gon's happy hour or just my work in general? Well, due to the current world health crisis, we here at the Lemonade Podcast Network have hit a bit of a wall as far as our sponsors and regular revenue streams go. And we thought it was time to push our Patreon. That's right. We have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash the Lemonade Network, that's patreon.com forward slash the Lemonade Network and become a patron today, you will get access to not only a Patreon exclusive podcast feed with all of our Star Wars after shows and movie commentaries exclusive to the Patreon. You will also get the whole first season of my podcast with my friend, Steve Baking Oranges, where I talk with my friend about pop culture and the world around us. But You will also get 15% off all products in my online store year-round and access to a patron-only Discord community where you can talk about the latest episodes, pop culture, and much more with our Lemonade Network community. On top of that, you will get exclusive first-hand. You will be the first people to get your hands on pre-orders and products on my website as well. Now, for those of you out here out there who are also in a financial hardship right now, this is not for you. I want you you all to know that we will still have free podcasting content. However, if you are not in a financial hardship and you could spare a couple bucks a week and would like to help out, please head, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Lemonade Network and become a patron today. That's patreon.com forward slash the Lemonade Network and become a patron today. Stay weird. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Making Lemonade, the podcast where we talk about how we take the lemons that life gives us and all of the different flavors of lemonade that we as creatives and as people make throughout our lives. This week, we have an old friend of ours, Mr. Kieran Jack of the Halftone Productions, is back. He's got a new Kickstarter. He is helping us. He, we are helping him. He is helping us. He is running a new Kickstarter for his book. In Purgatory, in Purgatory number four, um, and we th- we sat down to have a chat about have making gatekeeper free art, and how crowdfunding is pretty much the punk rock of making comic books. Doing it on your own, making it happen, you know, fuck the system kind of stuff. So, guys. I am not doing a vlog this week because we're still unpacking. We're still in the midst of um, unpacking into our new home and my studio isn't quite ready to go yet. But hopefully by next week, we will be back into the regular standard. But in the meantime, here is my chat with Mr. Kieran Jack, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoy. Been, man, how you been? Keeping busy, man. Busy, yeah. Keeping very busy in these times. <laughs> you kind of have to, eh? There's not much else you can do. It's all I want to do, really. Um, yeah, yeah. I've agreed. just, I've, I've, I've literally, when I'm not doing work, I'm in the studio just cranking away as best I can, which is yeah. good. Which is good. And that's that. my, not that's my uh, not cranking my dick either. That's just cranking away at the <laughs> work I'm doing. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. I understand. Yep. Yep. I get that. I get that. I get that. Um, so I'm just trying to get this, just trying to make sure that this is working. Yep. We are live. Just want to see that it's streaming through. This is the first time I've done this, but if yeah, it cool. is, it was. it's going to make the process so easy video wise and stuff like that. So, hey, there we go. Yep. We're going. I was going to we're say running. I'm working on. Working on issue five at the moment, the cover. I was oh, yep. trying to figure out if I could share the screen when I'm doing it. But you can, yeah, you can you can share the screen down the bottom there. I was gonna share the screen once we start talking about the Kickstarter and stuff. Okay, as well. nah, that's cool. I have that's these cool. I have these little banners and stuff as well. It's your show, use. man. Hey man. Let's let's, let's roll with it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have Kieran. How you doing, man? How hey. Are you? Hey, we're, we're live, we're running. 
Let's do it. That's all right. No worries. Thank you for coming on. Um, I want to talk, you, talk to you this week. You've been on here before, but I wanted to talk to you. First of all, before we get into your fantastic Kickstarter for um, your comic series, I wanted just to talk this week about, um, you know, creating, because you're doing Kickstarters and so on, you've been doing it for how long now? Uh, 2015 was the first one, I think. Okay. So five years wow. now? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Damn. And that was for the first, first Talking Bread, hey? Yeah, that was the very first one. God. Wow. I think back to that. <laughs> that was horrible compared to what oh, we're doing man. now. Yeah. I feel that about all the stuff I used to make back then as well. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get that. Um, I so think about what... that last year's stuff, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. It's, we're, we're our own worst worst enemies when it comes to that. But I wanted to um, talk to you about creating gatekeeper-free art. Like, <laughs> how has that kind of changed your your creative process and how has that kind of moved you towards, um, you know, having some success in your art? Like, has it, has, has it changed the way that you make your work, that, the, that you choose your projects and so on? Um, I think more so. Well, that's how I started. I was doing the comics before I was doing any of the fan art or, um, yeah, just fan art in general. But mm. where I started was, was like, okay, well, I'm want to do my own stuff. So let's dive into there. It's kind of like the process of, I have more fun doing that than I do the art prints or the, um, I guess it's, it's more fun pitching it to a convention. Um, pitching it okay. to people and telling people about my my creative mind. Um, and that, I find, is far more enjoyable rather than getting into the nitty-gritty of creating prints. I do prints. I'm a sucker for it. I'll do them. But mm. as I continue down this process of creating my own stories and creating my own art, um, I'm finding the want to do fan art less and less, right. um, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Hundred percent, it is. Yeah, mm. fan art, I think, is one of those things where it's kind of a means to an end. Like, mm. I mean, we, we all love certain things, and we want to make things, but it is a hundred percent a means to an end, especially when you've got a story that you want to tell mm. um, of your own, and it's it's kind of a the shiny, glittery piece of jewelry that's on on the on the mm. on the convention stall. Um, yeah, sorry, you were going to say something. I, I just think it's. Uh... It's far more enjoyable creating your own characters. Mm. Um, you get to kind of start from scratch. You get to yeah. change. You know, if you don't like something, you get to you get to play with it. It's 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 world building in essence. Um, mm. When you're creating your own characters and creating your own illustrations and your style, it it, it actually helps you to develop your style um, as you create those. I guess your own IP. Mm. Um, which is important to evolve um, as a as an artist as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, de- yeah, definitely. And and I, I think you know I've I've had the most fun um, drawing and and illustrating definitely mm. um, and writing I suppose in my own experience creating my own characters mm-hmm. or or redesigning characters <clears throat> that I love or you know, just finding a new spin on a character in a universe that I love, like start creating a Star Wars character or something like that. It's yeah, because it has that personal mm. kind of feel to it. And that, that um, bear with me, I am, I have had a horrible night's sleep. Um, <laughs> being a parent, yeah, I'm sure you understand. My brain is very slow tonight. Um, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. But yeah, yeah, um, we've, I, I completely understand creating characters and being able to build a, a universe of your own. Like, why not? <laughs> why not do that? Why not make that your thing? <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I, I've wind back to five years ago when I started doing this and it was purely off the case that I was tired. And I think it was around the, the time of the DC um, Nifty 2 Rebirth 2 yeah, new fifty, new fifty two to rebirth, and I think I felt I was kind of done with the the big comics because Marvel were doing a lot of the um the one the issue ones to two, and they get to like uh, issue yeah. ten to fifteen, and they drop it and start something else. Yeah. And I just said to myself, you know, I don't, 
I, I, it's not, I don't care for these stories anymore. And so looking back, I think I was more passionate. I was doing it from a point of I want to make my own stories and enjoy my own stories. Mm. And I know that I will enjoy writing these characters and writing these and illustrating these stories. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. The only experience I had was from reading comics. And to that extent, it was just like, oh, I'm going to start doing it. You know, there was there were people doing it at the time when I was going to conventions from 2000, God, 2005, I think, the first one I went to, just attended as a punter. And um, I was like, people are doing this as an Australian industry. So I think it's, um, what happened then? Oh, my stand just snapped off. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> um, I thought you were playing a guitar. No. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a real um, it was a real period of change, and I noticed even my reading, like I really diverted from the mainstream comics, started really digging deep back into the indie comics, and that's not that's not talking about Image or Dark Horse. This is talking about um, local creators and even international creators that were doing their own thing. Yeah. The, the, the kind of, um, I mean, so let's talk about that then. What, what were you reading? Like what's, what's the kind of stuff you're looking at at that time? Um, so when I started doing it, I got put onto Kickstarter. Um, I, I was looking around at what was on there. I found, um, a few titles. There was one called salvages, um, uh, which is now it's been picked up by source point press, which was created by Bob Sally. And it was more or less me reaching out to him and talking to him um, about indie comics in general. And mm. he was great. He was great to talk to. And the great thing about indie comics is you can approach them and talk to them about it. You know, yeah. there's, that, there's that challenge of should I talk to them, should I ask? But once you make that connection, you can kind of talk to them. So there was likes of Bob Sally, um, uh, Craig Bruin, who was a massive one in Australia at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from Above, which was a great comic book series. It's now concluded. Uh, Matt Kime, who was uh, doing at the time that Bulletproof Kid. Mm. God, I mean, the amount of people that I talked to was huge. Just trying to get info on how they did it and how they got their start. And literally, they're the same situations so where they got a bit of an art background. They're either graphic designers um, or they're art teachers or with an art degree. And okay. just pretty much dived in to do it. So I was already, I'd already done my um, degree in graphic design and I was like, well, you know, I've, I've started, I love drawing, screw it, let's do it. <laughs> That's yeah. basically the attitude behind it. Um, yeah. And you go back and look at the talking bread now and you're like, the fuck was I thinking when I was doing this? Yeah, yeah, I feel like that about a lot of my old art as well. But I mean, yeah, you've got it. You've got to start somewhere, though, don't you? You've got to. There's always going to be, you know, something that you're going to look back and be like, "Oh, that's that's ter- just terrible." Like that's I can't I can't believe I managed to salvage that story when I started it. You know, five or six years ago. It it, it really is, and I think the hardest. The harder, sorry, the longer it goes, so the longer the years go by, the harder it is to look at it. And I can now understand, <laughs> I understand that um, that problem that um, musicians have at a gig when they don't want to play old songs. Yeah. Um, they, they just don't, they, they hate where that came from. Um, and I get it, you've got a starting point. Everyone has that starting point that they need. Mm. Um, but I think, I think that it's important. Um, as much as I'd love to go back and redo the first issue of The Talking Bread, all of them for that matter, um, <laughs> I I can't. I, I can't do that yeah. to the people who have supported it and I can't do that to myself because it's important to look back and reflect on those times of where, where you started from and where you've grown to. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And you've got to kind of – I like to look at it as kind of a time capsule in your creative process like yeah it's 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 a moment in time where you may not have been as experienced as you were that's that's kind of how i look at my old work is i may not have been as experienced as i am now and i could go back and change it but there that would just be first of all wasting time just redoing you'd spend all your time just redoing everything you've already done anyway mm. and second of all you're taking it away from it being that that mo- that that snapshot in time 
in your creative process and 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 it, and it being kind of like I said a, a time capsule and you can see your thinking uh, illustratively story wise and so on mm-hmm. and and then you can show it and be like well that's where I started and this is where I am now look at the one yeah. I've released now and um, but yeah I kind of understand that with with artists it's like there's this whole concept that I've been thinking about a lot lately is how you um, you don't like a lot of musicians want to make sure or, or when you write a book, it's the same kind of thing. You want to make sure that what you're working on is mm. something that you're willing to tour for up to two years. You know what I mean? It's something that you're willing to take to every single convention and push it like you've never pushed before every single, to every single person that meets and is interested in it. Yeah. And it, don't get me wrong. The talking bread, I'm still selling the first issue at the moment. We're, um, I think it's, we're closing on 7,000 copies on the talking bread soul. Damn. Um, so wow. that's for us, that's a milestone from what I started from five years ago. Um, and it's going to come time shortly whether they're all sold, that your single floppy issues are all gone and I'm going to have to do in a trade. Mm. And that's going to be the hardest thing because I have to go back now. I have to go back and collate that as a, as a and book. And make a trade. <laughs> and I have to make a trade. And, like, I'm going to redo lettering on it because mm. I, I owe that to myself because I've, 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 I've developed that since then. And mm. it's important to to make sure that's that's correct. Even though the story might, yeah. the, the art might not be perfect, there'll be pieces of it that I'll have to fix because I feel that that will flow better for the the general story. And lettering for yeah. me is part of my bread and butter, so I kind yeah. of want to make sure that I'm doing a good job there. Yeah. Well, look if if George Lucas did it. <laughs> You can do it. I'm and sure it'll be okay if you do it. You know what I mean? That's like, a great point. I, I always <laughs> think back to that. I'm like, you know, if I go back and change these pages, it's no different to how Lucas started. He had a mm. vision. He couldn't he couldn't successfully do that vision back in 1977 or 1980 yeah. or 1983. But then he got to the point where he, he made that technology. He's like, you know what? I'm going back and I'm changing it. Yeah. And that's, that's what people don't understand. Like it's the same, it's the exact same thing. He was a creative who had some, he had a vision, he had something that he created and he wasn't 100% happy with it. Yeah. So it's okay for him to go back and change it. But the problem was it was on such a major scale that now it's just something that people go, okay, it's time to stop <laughs> touching this thing. <laughs> but I agree. Like, it's perfectly okay. And, it, it, you know, it leads me into the Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut is the same thing. You know, it's, it's to me, you, you can argue all you'd like, and we won't we won't sit on this for too long. You can argue all you like, but I'm actually really, I couldn't have cared either way whether it was to me, but I'm actually really happy to see a creative finally actually see his vision come to life. Whether, whether you think it's a good vision or not at the end of the day, that's a whole different story. Mm. But it is really amazing to see that a creative on such a on such a major scale like that is able to finally see his his, mm. his original vision come to life. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that's I think that's more important. I to be honest, I couldn't give two shits about the Justice League either. Either, yeah, but it's, that's a good way of looking at it. It's, it's yeah. good to see a creative vision come come to mm. life. Um, and you know, it goes back to the saying of like, you, if you don't have the technology or the tools to do it at the time, then you you can go back and do it when you're more comfortable too. And I think yeah. when I do the trade, I'll get to do a brand new cover. So that'll yeah. be the um, that'll be the uh, sale point that people will say, "Oh, that's really cool art." And I open up like, "This is absolutely shit." <laughs> like, oh, I've caught them. I've got their sale. Their sales, and that's that's my sale. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. It is what it is at the end of the day. You can't do much about it. Yeah, and I think we're like I said, we're we're our own worst enemies as far mm. as it comes to our art and our and our creative process yeah. because there's a lot of people out there that look at our stuff and be like, "That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen," and you just can't see that because you've got your perfectionist goggles on, or you've mm. you spent you've. What I've got to remind myself is you spend hours upon hours upon hours with that piece of work, mm-hmm. and this person is seeing it for the first time. And at that, completed. So you've seen it from a blank page to completed, and they're just seeing it completed. So 
you can kind of understand through that vision that they're probably seeing something better than you see, that's for sure. I think I think that's a good way of looking at it too. Um, and that's part of the reason why I've stopped doing the entire process of making a comic because I feel I spend too much time on it and then I'm not happy with the end result. So mm. now what I've done is I've actually, for in Purgatory, um, in last issue, I had um, a letter up. Okay. And so what I'm doing, even though I'm even though I'm a graphic designer and my lettering is my bread and butter, I kind of I need to let go of some of the stuff that I I I just need to let go. I can't do story illustrations, penciling, inking, lettering, and then editing again to send it off to print. So I've got mm. to start letting go of these things because I think any good production is a part of a team. You have to have a good team that can work together and do that. So slowly but surely, I'm letting go of bits and pieces that I feel as though they kind of weigh down the end process for me. Right. So lettering is the first step. Um, possibly editing is the next step. So someone mm-hmm. to come in and edit this comic, um, edit the story, edit the finished product because mm. it just it becomes... Well, a, it becomes overwhelming. B, it means that I can push out more comics at the same mm. time. I can have my more releases for the year. And C, it just it realigns my focus. It just makes yeah. it so much easier for me. Yeah. You get rid of those little bits and pieces. Like outsourcing is, if you can outsource, outsource. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. like you said, you get so much time back. You can focus on what's important. And at the end of the day, like I, like like we were saying, I mean, you spend so much. You can spend so much time with it that you're not seeing something that maybe someone else can see, and some an- another through someone else's lens, they can come in and have a look and go, "Oh, okay." In the lettering process, oh, how about we? This isn't quite making sense to me story wise. Can we change this word here? Can we change that there? Um, you know, inking's the same thing. That an, an inker may see your pencils very differently, and. There's, I think a lot of people need to learn with the creative process that it is okay to hand over your work to somebody else mm-hmm. who may very well just make it better, <laughs> like better than you ever possibly could. And you might just get it back and be like, well, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> like, well, you've seen that last night with um, Rui's work for the um, in Purgatory short story that he did. He's done a cover yeah. for it, a pinup, and it's like, I was, he asked if he could do something, and I was like, Yeah, sure, man. If mm. I've got anything coming up, I'll let you know. And mm. by chance, we're coming close to opening up another stretch goal, and it's a short story. And I was like, Well, do you want to do a pin up or a cover for it? And he's like, Yeah, of course. So, having kind of, it, and it goes for the, the, and you've read in Purgatory, but mm. um, it has a, a flashback or a bit of a, a cameo in each issue, and it yep. kind of winds back and, the beginning I was going to do it and I'm like, no, this is something that I should be collaborating with people with. So I went into that project thinking, okay, well, each issue could be a flashback with a different creator. And oh, yeah. doing that has kind of freed up my time as well because it means I'm working on maybe two to five pages less than I normally would, which is really cool. Um, and it means I get to focus on the pages that I'm working on. Um, mm. And it also allows the comics to come out more frequently now. I'm, I'm starting to get yeah. it. I'm streamlining it to a process from it used to be three months to now it's at two months. And I look to the end of the year and I'm hopefully I'll be pumping out a comic once a month. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's, so that's ideal. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But that's just not my comic. I've got two other comics on my label. So that'll be a comic each month won't be the same comic, but it'll be a comic coming out each month, which is the, which is what I wanted to build to. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Mm. That's kind of what, that's kind of what we're trying to do here with the podcast is to try and get it streamlined to a point where we are just putting out content that's, you know, on a monthly weekly basis and, and whether, whether, you know, this one's very every single week, but the others at this point are just not, not every single week, but yeah, that's that's so important to have to be okay to, you know, to bring it back to the creative process. To be okay to let your quote unquote baby kind of go into someone else's hands and 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 so to speak, be babysat for a little bit and and 
tr- you know, maybe that and often, especially if you have a good creative on hand to help you out, like you said, you can achieve more the more people you, you're okay with handing on. And obviously that's there's, there's a financial element to that as well. But from a creative, you know, philosophy thinking, it's very important to have to to be okay to be okay to kind of let go uh, of of your project and and have others come in because you might just find you know you th- if you think about like a movie or um, anything that you've really enjoyed and any sort of creative um, piece of art that you've enjoyed, it's nine times out of ten a team of people working on it. And, you know, even a television show, like a writer's room is a concept that a lot of people don't quite understand. Like, you're not just getting one writer on, on a movie. You're not just getting one writer on a on a television show. Even, you know, I'd say the big two, they don't have one writer. They, they credit one writer, but mm. I find it very hard to believe that there's not a writer's room on every single one of those comics that DC and Marvel is putting out. At the very least, to keep them congruent and, and, and cohesive, um, and then they might just credit the one guy that did, you know, the original draft or the original script, and then it all comes together. But I mean, that's a that's something that um, it's it's a it's very interesting that you bring that up because it's something that I think, first of all, a lot of people aren't okay with doing, and second of all, I don't think a lot of people um, think that there is groups of people working on things. Like that, like I mean, with Halftone, how many how many people have you got working on you know separate books or or what have you? Like, are you overseeing all the books or what? What's what's what goes on there? Yeah, so basically, with Halftone Productions, it was it was just Talking Bread to start off with. It was Talking Bread, and I had my podcast, which is still going. It's just it's very it, it takes a backseat to what the comics are because the comics make money, the podcast does. Mm. So the basic idea was to eventually grow it into a publishing label um, in Australia. So Talking Bread started, um, then I brought in a mate or good friend and he locally lives here and he always wanted to do a comic and I talked him into doing it. I was like, do it. He's a big manga reader. So Brad, who does Super E Battle Armor, um, he came on board and pretty much he had an artist who stepped away and so they stepped away on mutual terms and that was it. So I said, let's reboot it. Let's, you've got a vision here. Let's turn it into what you need to need it to be. Mm. So during the time we sourced out artists and it was pretty, it was pretty uh, time consuming and um, a lot of effort. And we eventually found someone um who's the artist, still the artist now, Lewis. Um, he is from, I can't remember now. He's from a European <laughs> country and I'm having a mental blank. Sorry, Lewis. <laughs> but anyway, he came on. He's done. He's been doing the art. He's doing the art currently for the issue three one, which is coming out shortly. And so that was kind of the point where I'm like, okay, this is where we need to start going from here. And I want to slowly, not quickly, bring a heap of people on board. So... Um, in Purgatory came out and I was like, yep, all right, this is where it's going. We, we were slowly building the catalogue up um, and then I talked to, I've recently talked to another artist about coming on and pitching me an idea. They're pitching me a, currently an idea. Um, so we're in talks to, to doing that mm-hmm. and that could possibly the next release. I've got a couple of promotion. I've got a couple of comics on the works at the moment that I've been working on past in Purgatory. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, it's more or less slowly building it up i don't want to have all these comics and i want to make sure that stuff that is relevant to my label because the brand that i've built it's not it's not superheroes it's Mm. weird it's it's wacky and very different to what normally people read and that's what i'm trying to yeah and it works that's basically the label itself um and I've had people approach me before about coming on. Um, I've had books. I've had other podcasts. And I kind of I, I kind of look at it this way, that I, I need to know that they're willing to put in 110% to do it because mm. what they get from it is basically that I take a very small cut, um, mm. similar, similar to what Image do. It's very mm. similar to how Image's tent pole is set up. Um, they own all the the IP 
mm. the residuals to it. So they make money from it still. It's not about me making money. It's about my catalogue and what they get from it is that they get, I kind of go out and talk to comic book stores about getting it into stores and, you know, the likes of running a Kickstarter campaign, which is not easy. Um, mm. You kind of have that ability to talk to me about that and um i guess it's about kind of networking and building relationships from that sense um yeah so i mean the next few years we've got releases that'll be coming out um i'm consistently changing the process of how i do it all um, okay. i mean like i'm trying to create catalog of comics that won't be released until next year and beyond Mm. Um, so that there's something always coming out, whether you read yeah. Talk of Bread, whether you read In Purgatory, whether you read Super Eat Battle Armor, there'll be something there for everyone who um, reads the, reads our comics. So like kind of batching it all together and, and, and just getting it prepped. Yeah, yeah. Well, having having a back catalogue ready to go um, once the new movie okay. starts. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, I want to talk to you now a little bit more. Um, uh, we'll, we'll lead this. This will definitely lead into um, the current Kickstarter. But mm-hmm. I want to talk to you a little bit more about um, kind of, first of all, I suppose I'll ask you three questions here and they'll probably lead into um, everything. So, first of all, what got you into Kickstarter? Why do you crowdfund? And how has crowdfunding changed your revenue raising? Um, and I mean, we spoke about creative, uh, the creative process before, but kind of how has it changed your revenue raising and, and creative process and, and business overall, I suppose? Look, crowdfunding gets a bad name because uh, in comic books in general, it gets a bad name because a lot of us use it more than once. And um, what I find with it is that it is an ability to publish the comics um, without taking it out of your own pocket, which is a lot of what people do. And if you are lucky enough to understand the logics of business, you kind of don't want to be investing too much in your own business. Um, sure, you put money into it without doubt, but the, the, cost it, the, the cost it takes to make a comic, if you're not, a, if you're not an illustrator, you're already up for nearly two to three grand in your artwork. Um, you've got to get a logo designed. You have to get it printed. You know, mm. you're looking at around by the time that's all done, depending on the amount of comics you get printed as well. Um, you've got to negotiate prices with printers. It's a, it's a costly process. So yeah. with that, I, that's why I took it to Kickstarter. I um, First off, everyone that I knew who were making comics at the time, they were very much the same mindset. They were like, we're making comics, we're getting them published, we're funding it through Kickstarter, we're giving exclusive content to the people who are backing it, and they're getting something in return for supporting this campaign. Now, in the beginning, I was like, cool, that's a great idea, I'm going to do it. I did it. I had my first successful Kickstarter. It was very low budget because I wasn't aiming very high for printing costs. Um, I was already the artist and the writer, so I was like, well, that's just cut my cost by half. So I did. And successful, went back a second time. I was like, all right, let's just try and see how this goes. I know a lot of second Kickstarters don't aren't successful. Second Kickstarter, it blew me out of the water. I was like, all right, this is this is working. This formula is working. Let's see yeah. what we can do. Let's, let's have a play. Um, so... I think with Talking Bread, it was every second comic release that I went to Kickstarter because I gave it a break to breathe, relax, and then go back. This time around, I'm pretty much I'm going to be doing every comic through Kickstarter without a doubt. Crowdfunding not only gets you your funding for the comic and oversees the cost of printing, um, extra help from other people that might be employed by you. So you might have the guest pages um, that get paid. Then you've got the letterer and you're printing. And so from that process, I'm able to also get it out to a larger audience than normally do. So on average, I around have 100 backers to Kickstarter. Mm. On average, might be give or take five to 10 people either either way. Mm -hmm. It's far more than I get in my website. It's far more than I get from social media. It's Mm -hmm. far more than I get in sales from comic book stores, apart from up until now. So 
it's doing a lot better than what any other things would would be. The only thing it competes against is comic book conventions, which at the yep. moment wish out moment we're shit out of luck. So, <laughs> um, right, <laughs> the, I, I've built a formula that works, and it doesn't mean that I do the same thing each time. Every time I do a Kickstarter, I change it up. I do something different. Yeah. Um, and I try to change the format. So this time around, I took a different approach. So I know a lot of people are enjoying the stories. I know a lot of people um, are interested in it. So as an exclusive, I was like the first day we're doing a free illustration with every pledge, every physical pledge. I can tell you right now awesome. that 95% of my pledges for the first day, they were all physical pledges. Right. So I mean, and we got funded in the first 16 hours. Far out. So what does that say? First 16 hours, really? First 16 hours. So that's never happened to us before. Granted, I've cut back on my costs. Like I've been able to really tighten up um, on shipping, um, packaging, everything. So I've really got it down to a price point that I feel happy about getting that budget towards. And I don't Mm. have to add a cent to it. Wow. So, That's I mean, it, it's, it says something. It's 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 like anything, man. The more you do it, the more you learn, the more you become successful at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm. And, and, and the more you do, the more people that will be, mm. you know, following you, the more people that will be there mm. to to support you. And every time you come back, that they'll come back stronger as well. Yeah. So, on average, I think I've got about 30 to 40 people that come back each time. Wow, so that's, about, okay, that's fantastic. That's a little under fifty percent. So I mean, it's not a bad, it's not a bad figure in my book. Um, I think that's yeah, really definitely. good. I would like to get it higher. It'd be great if I could get it higher. It'd be great if I could get, you know, up to two hundred backers. Um, but because things because things are tough at the moment, but also my thing that they're, they're unique. They're not your classic superhero stories or your classic comic books. These are fucking weird. I do I do <laughs> stories so. Um, I don't expect it to be groundbreaking people backing it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but again, this is something we talk about a lot here. Is that it's it's not about it's not about having all the people in the world following you. It's in fact more or less about you know carving out your niche mm-hmm. and and just continue to carve that niche, mm-hmm. like. You don't need, like you said, you have 30 or 40 people. But if that 30 or 40 people gives you $100, $200, $300 to, towards each kickstart, like, I mean, do the number, do the quick maths on that. Like, mm-hmm. if they give you $300 or $200 a year, the maths on that is is more than you'll ever need, more than you'll ever think that you get. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't need, it's, it's, the, it's the thousand true fans concept. You don't need a hundred million followers or a hundred million people following. You just need, especially when you're trying to carve a niche like you are, like mm-hmm. something very specific like you are, you just need to find the, the 500, 200, 100 people that are willing to, to spend a little bit more money than most and, and support you. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what a lot of, I think a lot of people get lost on is like, Oh, you know, I understand social media and, and I, you and I have spoken a lot about it on here, but I understand why people think that social media is more important than it is. Like, don't get me wrong, it is important towards mm-hmm. a creative process, but a lot of people take it a lot more seriously than they need to. But I understand because a follow account is quantifiable. Mm-hmm. So that's giving you a success rate, essentially. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the statistics on that, for like the quantif- whether it's quantifiable or not, the way that those followers are acting mm-hmm. and interacting is more important than how many are there. Yeah. And the thing with the fine, especially with social media of late, it's, it's a, it really is about what you're giving out to them. It's all mm. give, 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 and they can yeah. take, 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 but there's no return on that. Very real, yeah. little return. Um, conversion rates for um, the likes of commissions or people picking up the comics is very minimal. Yeah. Compared to what um, Kickstarter or a convention would be. Um, and I'll, yeah. I'll, 
Oh, dude, I'm the first to admit I am fucking missing conventions at the moment. Like, I'm yeah. missing. I know there haven't been many at, between the whole time this has started, but I miss that interaction with my audience. I miss that mm. sales pitch with them. Um, I was, you know, I was lucky enough this year to have Supernova. Um, I guess that's more oh, than yeah. what a lot of us had, but it's yeah. still, it's, it's a real kick in the teeth knowing that there's going to be so little this year. And yeah, and that in itself is why I've already started working on issue five and six, because I know that I can grab my audience that way because I'm, mm. I look, I don't think I'm going to be doing conventions at all this year. I think that I'm just going to take a bow from it yeah, until the, the world situation changes. Yeah. Especially cause we're parents as well. Um, and personally, my my partner is pregnant as well, so I'm mm. I'm extremely vigilant, and extre- you know the risk of 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 um, you know myself going to a convention is not worth the reward, especially mm. because the statistics aren't like the you know the amount of people that are going to go to a convention is just not really going to be worth it, is it? <laughs> like if you think about it, if you think about it, like you might find that a lot of people will go, but I think there mm. will be a larger majority that will be hesitant. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, without going into too deeply, I think that Melbourne crowd for supernova was immensely down. Um, right. Already. Mm. Yeah. And that was, that was before it took its massive toll. Like it did. Mm. Um, and I think the same for Queensland which was Gold Coast that didn't do exceptionally well. So, look, right. it, it's a roll of the dice with this one coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Sydney yeah, and Perth, it's going to be a real roll of the dice. Yeah. And that in itself is a little bit scary because the amount of money that you put into that would be, well, I'd be looking at, you know, a lot of money to get to there, set up. Mm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think... But you know what? More than anything, this year is the year to pivot, and that's why you know you, yourself. You've you've done Kickstarters. You're going to do more Kickstarters. You're going to, um, you know, make like you said. You're going to you're going to make sure you draw more books. I decided to just make more podcasts. <laughs> like I'm just sitting around all day. I might as well. And I got all these thoughts going through my head. I need to get them out. So I'm I'm going to make a bunch. I decided that you know I started a Patreon this week. I started. You know, anything you can do to pivot, you know, there's there's people all over the world that, that I remember hearing a story where this woman was making dresses for the Grammys and then one week later she was make, she was sewing masks. Like that's the best example of pivoting. Like there's so many, there's, there's a lot of people sitting around complaining and saying, you know, oh, this is, oh, this was so, this sucks. It was unfair. It was unfair to everybody what happened. Everybody suffered from what happened. But only a small majority who were willing to be like, well, this is the situation. Let's move in a different direction. Let's pivot over this way. Actually, are going to survive and, and I mean, succeed. Yeah, and I mean, like I, I was, and I'm guessing you're on the same situation. I was um, at the beginning of this. I was let go from my job, and it was kind of like a okay, this, this is happening. Yeah. And then, fortunately enough, I've been able to be put back on thanks to the the JobKeeper incentive. Mm. But to me, it was an opportunity. It wasn't a, um, a setback. I was like, all right, well, I can go and get my own clients and start building my own little business. Um, but also, I can start writing more fucking comics. In the first <laughs> yeah. week, I had written, I've written three different stories. Wow. I just hit the ground running. I was like, I'm just going to write. And I wrote. I had just I just on the page. It's not perfect. It was edited a fair bit, but we, that's the point of it. Your first script is never your final script. So um, yeah. that was the great thing about this whole situation was like, okay, well, I already had in purgatory, this in purgatory already nearly finished when we went into the COVID situation. So I was like, all right, well, then I'm just going to keep making and creating. Um, yeah. And that's why, you know, I'm already on the next issue of that. I've got um, a very interesting comic that I've been working on that's going to piss a lot of people off, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, and 
can you talk about it? I can don't you, want to talk. I, you don't I, want to talk about it? I want to tease it, and that's about all I want to do with it because, okay. like I said, it's going to piss people off. It's going <laughs> to piss certain people off, and that's it. It's the intention of it. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I just want to keep this one very close to my chest, but tease it and annoy my audience because I know they're going to want to see it. Want to see it, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I, I practically want to go into next year having all my comic books that I would release during the year ready to go. So I'm working yeah. on the next year, and so I'm, yeah. and so I have a cycle set up that okay, I release six to twelve comics a year, and I'm already a year in a front each time. Brilliant. And yeah. I've, 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 that's basically now I'm set for the rest of my career. Yeah, exactly. And and it's and that's what I've been trying to push here on making yeah. is is we are in everybody right now is in the same state. It's, it's possibly the first time ever that every single creative in the world, every person in the world is in the exact same position in their creative process. Everybody is stuck. Yes, some people might have more clients than others, and some people might have more retain like jobs on retainer than other. But we are in this creative cocoon, and it is time to come. Like if, and if you're someone who wants a creative career and wants to be, you know, doing what we do or doing some sort of creative, you know, we've got actors listening, we've got musicians listening. If you if you have a dream and a goal that is within the creative realm. If you are not working right now on it, then I can't help you. (laughs) Like if you are not using this opportunity right now to do like what you are doing, to batch, to to build something, make something, finish a project, start a new project, whatever it is, then you are absolutely wasting this opportunity because this, this is a perfect opportunity to build and create right now. It's unprecedented. The world has stopped. 100%. It's practically yeah. stopped, yeah. And I mean, I, I understand people who don't want to create and they just want to relax and just enjoy the time that they've got. Um, mm. I get that. I understand that. I don't see it that way. I see it as the yeah. golden opportunity. Whilst the rest of the world has stopped, it gives us the chance to get out and just push push hard Catch to up. what we want. Mm. Catch up. Um, and I'm, I'm, I haven't stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to stop. I want to keep mm. going. And then when the world does go back to the new normal, mm. I won't stop. Yeah, there. I'll still keep going. I like that. The new normal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. It's. It's. I mean, we've just. I. I don't know if you noticed. I'm in a new studio. We've just moved into a new mm-hmm. place, and that was one of the goals we wanted to hit this year. And it was perfect mm-hmm. because we were like, okay, we got this baby on the way. Um, I'm working freelance right now, full time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Jen's Jen's working, you know, part time from home, and she, we've now moved five minutes from work for her, so she gets more time back as well. Mm-hmm. And it was just idea. It was like, okay, that's one of our big goals this year. What can we achieve this year mm-hmm. that that this won't get in the way of? And this was one of the things, and it was the perfect. And you know, I haven't unpacked everything yet because I'm just like, I want to keep making stuff. I want to just keep going and keep doing things until you know, until everything I want to do is done, but I have to like stop myself every so often and be like, well, it's probably a good idea to unpack some boxes and put some Mm. stuff up on the walls and everything so that you do feel less, less like you're in mess or whatever. But yeah, it really is. Like you said, it is unprecedented. And I love that term, the new normal, because I think there's a lot of people that are still holding on to the old world. Like there's what we start, where we started at the start of this year, um, is not what we're going to end up with next year. But that's gone. Like Look, everything's it, it, changed. I hope it isn't because we're doomed to fail again if it happens. <laughs> yeah, well, that's um, true. I really hope it doesn't. And I'm, I, I wouldn't be saying I'm not concerned how quickly everything is opening back up. Yeah. Um, I really hope we don't go back to that new, that normal because it can't, mm. it can't happen. I don't want it to happen. No. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it's important that no matter where you are in the world, this is the opportunity. If you're in the situation to, to really forge 
that yeah that, that, that dream where that's all it is it has to start off as a dream it can't be to make money um mm. it can evolve into that and i don't i don't agree with the the the, the theory of you know people that say you won't make money off this you can make money off it you've just mm. got to be smart about it um i'm yeah. fortunate enough to have a business degree so that gives me the um, stepping foot to be able to go, okay, well, I can turn this into a business. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I've been doing that. Um, but, yeah, you've just got to really grab the horn by the balls. Uh, grab, <laughs> grab the ball by the horn. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And okay. I think that that's a very important thing and, and um, we've got about 15 minutes left here. Um, but before we move on to – we'll start to – we'll definitely – have a good chat about the Kickstarter and where you're going from here and stuff. But just to finish that kind of thought off is you're right. It's when you, when you have this dream, the dream, you know, part of it should be to make money with this, Mm -hmm. but I think the dream should be to make money with your passion. Mm -hmm. Like what is it? First of all, before you're like, I want to make, you know, this amount of money, that amount of money, whatever it is. First of all, it needs to be, what is my passion? Yep. And and how can I take that passion and and maybe take this passion as well and bring them together? You know, yeah. how can I how can I feasibly go, okay, well, I've got I've got, you know, a passion for for me. I'll just use my example. I've got a passion for Star Wars and I've got a passion for illustration and comic books. So I was like, how do I how do I bring those? And I've got a passion for podcasting. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? I will start a Star Wars podcast. I will I will focus on doing on um, Star Wars art and you know one of my new goals is I would love to work on anything Lucasfilm anything like absolutely I don't I don't care what it is whether it's a you know a cup or a t-shirt or something like just get my foot in that door and that was that would be something that I, I think I would be very good at because I have that passion there for both illustration comic book illustration my particular style of illustration as well as um, Star Wars but you're, you're correct the passion needs to start. You need to start with the passion. You need to start yeah. at the passion and then you figure out kind of how you're going to make a living out of that. Yeah, that's if you do it the opposite way, it's just going to, you know, yeah. hurt itself. And that's sort of I, li- I live and die by. If I'm not enjoying it, then I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, by the time I finished Talking Bread, I was not enjoying it. I, right. I knew what, I had the story finished. Like the, it was, the script was written... I was finished the art off. By the time it was released, I was over it. Um, yeah. was ready to move on, which was good. It gave me six issues. I got it done. I moved on. I still pitch it. I still get to sell it. That's fine. I don't care. And I'm making new things. Like last year, I came back and did the Rise of Talking Bread, and that was fun because I had mm. 12 other creators jump on board and get to do their little bit on it, which was mm. a great experience. And... I'm not saying that was the end of it. I don't think it will be. I think there'll be more of it. But for the time being, I've moved on from that. And I think that's yeah. pretty important. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's talk about, we've got about 10 minutes left here. So let's talk about the Kickstarter. So what are you currently um, running the Kickstarter for? And what are you going, you know, what's your next project after that as well? Um, so basically we've got the fourth issue of Impurgatory. There it is. Trying to get my peripherals right. So that's it there. Um, it's only the cover. I haven't got a printer yet because I'm getting little bits and done here and there. Yep. Um, it's running on Kickstarter. We had a goal of 1500 which covers all the costs um, of printing, um, guest artists, lettering, all that jazz. Um, mm-hmm. We also have pins and stickers. Which I do have here somewhere. <laughs> I've got so much shit here, um, which are going to be on off for everyone. So we've got badges that are actually part of the stretch goal. We've got stickers. Um, cool. We've got pins. We've got more pins. <laughs> I've got I've got sketch covers. I mean, we've got heaps on offer. Um, yeah. And it's about creating merchandise as well. Um, mm. I've got a brand. I've got IP. I might as well sell them and kind of get people on board for it. So, yeah, basically what we've done is we've done a small campaign, smashed it out, like I said, in 16 hours before, which mm. is really exciting. That's never happened. Um, last time we had one of the featured Kickstarters on 
they actually loved our project and they supported it on Kickstarter, which was great. This time around, it's been something different, which is really cool. So I'm using those factors and I'm kind of like, all right, where do we go next? So I've already started Mm. working on issue five and six together. I'm doing them back to back. Um, Got guest artists already lined up for those, one of them being Camillo, who um, I'm pretty sure he's been on your show before. So he'll be doing a guest – he'll be really giving him a – a big task with his story um, mm-hmm. and he's got a big, big project ahead of him, which is exciting. So yeah, we're, I'm, I'm constantly forging ahead with that. Um, sorry, excuse me. We are actually right. closing in on our second stretch goal, which will be a short story um, cover art done by Rui. And we've got Matt Kime returning to do the pages for it. Um, oh. it's a short story I've written. So we've got that going. And then, like I said, we've got um, we've got pins, more short stories to release. We're nearly close to um, getting to two thousand. We've had a couple of trolls. Oh uh, yeah, back, that happens, which mm. sucks. But I mean, we can't do much about it. So mm. I, midway through campaign, I have no doubt we'll get to the two thousand stage. It's just a matter of people jumping on board. Hmm. Um, yeah, and and you guys are at seventeen hundred now. It says yeah, yeah. So seventeen. We were at, we were at, what was it? Eighteen, eighteen hundred, close to nineteen hundred. It was. And you had someone just had what, pull out, or they were just just trolls. No, nah, they're just trolls. Right. It happens every time, without a doubt. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> I used to do yeah. back in the early days. I used to do big goals for like a one-on-one session. Um, we get to hang out, talk about comics. You know, I would do some illustrations and whatnot. And they mm. had a bigger, bigger mark, which was very ambitious of me at the time. I'm like, I look back mm. now, I'm like, you're an idiot. Why'd you ever do that? Um, <laughs> and I had people back them. I'm like, no fucking way. And there was people in Australia too. And that's the bummer about it. Was like, oh, cool, this is actually happening. And then they pulled out. And I was like, fuck, some fucking trolls. Yeah. So <laughs> it happens everywhere. You get it all online. It's no yeah. doubt of not being on there on Kickstarter. So, um, yeah, you're going through it right now. There's Rui's uh, artwork. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It looks like he's done such a good job. It looks like an old 50s, you know, um, horror movie poster. It's mm-hmm. freaking awesome, man. That's basically, I said, look, dude, I'll give you free range. You just got to include this character and a car. And he's like, oh, can I do it in this style? I'm like, do it. I'm pretty easy when it comes to the creators coming on board. I I like to see them flourish and do their own thing. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I get them on is like, okay, well, you want to come on and do it? Then, yeah, well, absolutely, I'll have you on. I know what your style is and I know how you'll present my story. So it's like, go for it. Yeah, definitely. And did you did you have a um, a character design ready for him? Like, was that or was that something he just kind of ran with a little bit? No, no. So within Purgatory, it's very much um, my afflictions towards religion, and so mm. I've taken a lot of mythology from the Bible and kind of twisted it. So right. the character on that poster is called Papa Baba. And he is known as the sex demon. So, <laughs> is that the Jewish one? Uh, no, that's so you're thinking of the Leviathan and the Golem. Yes, that's the Golem. Um, so yeah, Papa, the one Papa, that... Bawa, Papa Bawa is a sexual demon who is, um, he, <laughs> how do I put it? <laughs> He's basically the Jason Voorhees of the Bible. Okay. He goes cool. around and um, murders people for uh, their sexual. Orientations, deviant, oh, yes. orientation, yeah, yes. right? So, a little bit of a fucked up character. I won't go too more into it because it might yeah. scare away some of your uh, listeners. I was going to yes. say, yeah, you guys can look into that more if you'd like. To. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's that's oh, okay. Mm. Cool. Yeah, so he's killed it. He's, he's absolutely captured that uh that fucked up character. Yeah, he yeah he has. It's it's. Mm. Yeah, wow. So what he's he's just taken, you know, some old illustrations or something. So you didn't have a specific design, your style. Yeah, no, no, no. So the character oh, you... appe- the character has appeared in issue three. 
So oh, okay. an ongoing character now. So he oh, runs right, right. a um, a spiritual whorehouse in the story. Oh, okay. um, and he basically runs that and um, he'll be coming into it a lot more from now on in. But he was in issue three. He'll be in issue four. Sorry, he's not in issue four. He's in issue five and six and so on. So cool. he's, a, he's a playing part in the story arc. Okay, right, right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. Um, well, what are you what are you working on next? What's what's next for? Um, so I've done um, what have I worked on. So this year already, I've worked on the Australia Burns anthology, which was exciting to work on. I did a little oh, short okay. story for that. Um, a bit more lighthearted than actually dark and deep, like a lot of stories were, which was phenomenal to work on. Um, mm. but great to be a part of. I think we raised over twenty thousand dollars for the fire relief funds. Cool. Um, I've got. Issue four coming out next month, which will be released, and then it'll be released to the public. Issue five is in the works along with issue six. Cool. Um, I'm working on a new one, which I don't want to give too much away because I'm still working on it. And <laughs> I just want to – basically, the idea behind that is that I will be releasing its four issues. I'll be dropping them one month after each other. Right, so, so you're going to get it all ready to go and then just – It'll be 100% finished. Out. And I'm just going to drop one at a time. Um, So it's very limited. It'll piss people off. (laughs) I'm excited. I want to read it. And that's and that's the point. Yeah. Um, It's very early in the development stages. So right. um, I am working on a comic. I've worked on one this year already with uh, Dark Oz Comics. So for anyone that knows Dark Oz Comics, uh, Darren, who does a lot of comic conventions, uh, his science fiction tales. uh, He's got. He's been around for a while now, and he's got a stack of comics. I did the coloring for one of the story arcs on that. Um, so that's coming to Kickstarter, I think, next month. Um, we did a free comic this year. It was supposed to be released for free comic book day until that ah. tips up. So that is actually for free now on our Facebook page. So if you go and sign up to our mailing list, you'll receive the free comic. It's a 12-page comic, three stories, one from In Purgatory, one from Super Ebola, and one from Talking Bread. Um, and just new original short stories we just put together. Cool. And yeah, In Purgatory's got a lot more issues to come out, so we're working hard on getting those out. Fantastic, man. Well, mm-hmm. let everybody thank you for coming on. I really yeah. do appreciate it. It was wonderful Absolutely. to have you again. Yeah, um, and let everybody know where they can find you online. We have had this up mm-hmm. up the bottom here, um, but yes. Yes, so if you um, jump on a Kickstarter and type in Purgatory, you'll be able to come up to that straight away. Jump on that, check out. We've got all the um, items that you can pledge towards. Basically, you're just pre-ordering. Um, that's what it is for now, and I always call it pre-ordering rather than pledging because you're basically mm. pre-ordering a copy of the comic. Um, it's a guaranteed um, thing. You'll, you're, you're bound to get it all around the world. If you want to pre-order it, that's really cool. And you can pick up from issue one to issue four right now, working on the others. So they'll be coming out shortly. Um, we're on Facebook, Halftone Productions. Jump on there. We do weekly posts about our products and what's coming up. Um, and then on Instagram, you can check us out at, or you can check me out at uh, Created by Kieran. Uh, and that's where I throw up pretty much all my artwork. I do all my illustrations on there. Um, and same with Twitter and Twitch, created by Kieran. I come on there every now and again. I'm not very frequent there. I find it mm. very overwhelming running all the social media. Yeah, yeah you've um, really got to enjoy it, don't you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it's very time-consuming, very time-consuming. Yeah. So I'd, I'd much rather devote my time to creating and mm. then putting that 100%. creation out into the world than giving you little bits away here and there. So, yeah, yeah if you want to follow us along and support our work... That'd be awesome. Fantastic, man. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Um, You can find us at the Lemonade Pod Network on Instagram. We don't have a Twitter yet. We'll get there. Um, And as always, oh, we do have a Patreon as well, so I'll quickly plug that as well. We have just started up a Patreon, um, patreon.com forward slash the Lemonade Network, where you can get exclusive shows. Uh, you can get, uh, we have a brand new show that you can only get if you're a patron that I do with my best friend, Steve. Um, but other than that, thank you, Kieran, so much for coming on. I really thank do appreciate you, it. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Making Lemonade. I've been your host, Jordan. And as always, stay weird. Right. Boom. 
Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. I really do appreciate you all. I really appreciate you, Kieran, for coming on. Thank you so much. You can find Kieran at Created by Kieran on Instagram. The Halftone production is on uh, the Halftone Effect podcast is on all podcasting networks. The Halftone Productions uh, all over the internet. Just Google Halftone Productions. You'll find them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and they have a website as well where you can find all of Kieran's great art, all of the comics that they work on, and you can and you can find that Kickstarter. If you go into Kickstarter and you look up Kieran, or you rather you look up Halftone Productions and In Purgatory, you'll find them there as well. The link is down in the description. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching. You can find me on Twitter at Jordan Morpeth, on Instagram at Jordan Morpeth Art, on TikTok at Jordan Can Draw. My website is www.jordanmorpethart.com where you can buy all of my online stuff. You heard about the Patreon as well. That is patreon.com forward slash the lemonade network where you can get exclusive uh, shows after shows for Qui-Gon's Happy Hour you can get our new show Baking Oranges that I do with my friend Steve you would have heard an episode last week and you can find um, all exclusive Patreon content on there we are aiming for 500 patrons so tell your friends it's at a cheap price you can hear my daughter in the background we, but seriously, guys, thank you so much. I really do appreciate every single one of you for listening every single week. Go and sign up to the Patreon and you will get so much value. It's not even funny. I promise you. There is so much new stuff coming out soon. So much content coming your way. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, I've been your host, Jordan. This has been Making Lemonade. Stay weird.